As many of you already know, I was a losing trader for over two years. And one of the most important catalysts for me as a trader to eventually turn my trading around was meeting my mentor, Oren. It was through his very simple yet very systematic breakdown of trader psychology, risk management, and strategy building that I finally found my edge in trading over time. I've talked about him several times on this channel before, but today it is my honor to have Oren finally here in person on the Humble Traders podcast today. This has been a very highly anticipated episode. In this video, you're going to learn how he became a millionaire trader at the age of 22, how he created his own private fund, how he transitioned to becoming a venture capitalist, and of course, our friendship and how it developed over time. Remember to hit the like button. I promise you're going to learn so much in this video. Welcome, Oren, to the Humble Traders Podcast. Finally. <laughs> oh my God. I've talked about you so many times on my channel because you're my mentor. You're the reason I eventually became su successful. And you helped me out so much when I was struggling with day trading. This is we're talking about like seven years ago. Yeah. So we've known each other for many years. Many years. Yeah, but this is the first time that we're having you on our uh, channel. So I'm very honored to have you here today. Likewise. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of our viewers are very curious about you because you actually, you know, I meet you in person now, but you actually have experience of someone who is like 40, 50 years old. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really curious, and uh, this is for myself just as it is for our audience. Um, how, how did you get into trading? What's your background like? So, in fact, I'm actually finance was actually not my major in high school or college, mm. right? In fact, when I was in high school, the only finance exposure I had was to accounting. Oh. And I do remember the year in a country where I grew up, Jamaica, yeah. um, there's an exam that's called the uh, CXE. I forgot what the entire um, abbreviation actually meant, but it's an exam you have to take. Okay. For accounting, um, during uh, ninth grade, I actually, for one, skipped those classes. I never went to accounting classes. I just oh. couldn't understand everything. Assets, liability, place on the balance sheet. It was just so confusing. Okay. And when you would put them in the correct order, you still got it wrong. So I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then for the exam, actually, we went in. My friend and I, we went into the exam, wrote our name on the paper, and walked out. Oh, my God. <laughs> so no formal background. Nothing to do with finance, finance whatsoever. My background was most, mostly our architecture and construction. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I did that um, in high school yeah. and during summer, I pretty much work on construction sites all the time. Okay. Yeah. So heavy labor, carrying cement, laying mm. blocks, stuff like that. And most of the older guys, they would pick on you <laughs> all the time. This is back in Jamaica. This is back in Jamaica. Oh, exactly. Okay. Um, then actually mostly doing um, what they call technical drawing, which is basically using like uh, what they call like a T-square um, long ruler. Essentially it is with pencil and just drawing blueprints. Mm, okay. So that's pretty much my background, actually, more on the construction and architecture side. So nothing to do with finance. Oh, so how did you get into trading in the first place? And what age were you? So when I got into trading, I was probably around 19 or 20 years old. Okay. And this was during college. Oh, okay. So when I was in college, actually, um, I was in this uh, computer lab. Mm. And there was a guy who walked in. I was designing my uncle's um, house. And he noticed on the computer, he came over to me and he said, 
do you know there's no one actually in this university that actually does this? I said, what do you mean? The architecture uh, department is actually down the block from here. He says, yes, but they use pencils and, and uh, T-squares, those long rulers. I said, so they don't use computers? He says, no. And then he asked me a very, very powerful question, which I would actually ask the viewers to actually ask themselves. He said, do you see yourself doing this in the next 20 or 30 years from now? And I said, absolutely. He says, no, 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 no. Think about it. Do you see yourself doing this next 20 or 30 years from now? When you're 40, 50 years old, and I said, I don't know. He said, you should know. And he says, give me his card. And he said, there is a meetup going on with other, other aspiring entrepreneurs. You should come. So we went there on a Sunday afternoon. And there was this like 22, 23 years old. I think the guy was who actually hosted the conference. Hmm. Group of people there. And he started off by being, lack of a better word, a dick. Oh, okay. <laughs> he said, uh, how many people go to the restaurants in the city? And obviously everyone does. Mm -hmm. And he's like, congratulations, you've all made me richer. I serve all the drinks on the actual menu. So he was the distributor of all the drinks in the city, right? So he started talking about investing your money and, you know, insurance policies and stocks and bonds at the time those were pretty much like foreign languages to me yeah i never knew what even a stock was yeah so i went home and i started googling and i came across warren buffett and back in the time there was not much regulation around uh, binary options binary options binary options okay that was my first introduction to something referred to as what i know today called trading so buying options, you're like just buying put or call options yeah. on currency pairs uh -huh. and they're super volatile. So silly me open a brokerage account. I put like $100 in there. The broker gave you a robot. Essentially, it will trade for you. Okay. And it went from $100 to $130. So I'm like, I'm a really? genius. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> I'm a genius. And then the next day, it went from $130 to like $20. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, I called the broker, be like, I want to cool my $20 in. And he said, Well, you open up a bonus account. So until you satisfy the bonus, you can get your money back. And that was oh, the end of that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So that was my ent entry into trading, actually. Binary options. Binary options. Oh, wow. Okay. I yeah. didn't even know that. I thought it was Forex. Forex, because we were doing binary options on um, Forex Bear, yeah. it kind of fueled me to learn about Forex. Oh, so you did eventually eventually did forex. So I was uh. like doing like computer labs late at night, skipping classes, going and trying to learn this thing. Uh. So I'd put like I did paper trading at first. Yeah. So you put like money on the night before because the guy will usually secure the circle and be like, "We have to close. You have to leave now." Yeah. Right. So you put them on in the afternoon. You go to bed. Then before your class in the morning, you go and you check in the computer lab and see if they're actually doing well. Oh, okay. My computer was broken. It was in the shop, so I couldn't have one. Oh, wow. So that's okay. why I had to do that for a while. And then eventually, I did actually learn Forex to the point where I was teaching probably like two guys in college how to do it. And they were mm. doing pretty good, actually. Oh. Yeah. So you, did you actually make money from Forex? Yeah, we did make money from Forex. So at the time, I was very irresponsible financially. So any money I made, I would just blow it on parties, clothes, shoes, uh, you know, jewelry, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and this is the 19 year old Oren. Literally egotistic, oh, ignorant, okay. cocky, everything. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Cause like I, I know a lot of stock traders, options traders, crypto even, but I actually don't know any profitable Forex traders present day. Present day. Yeah. I do know a lot of them actually. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so Forex is not a scam. No, Forex <laughs> is actually not a scam. And then the fact is that Many people do forex trading unintentionally. 
Like if you go from, let's say, travel to one country to another different currency pair, that swap that you do is actually a currency trade. Yeah, it is. There's even like investors out there who basically have different accounts in different countries, not mm. because they're trying to hide money from the IRS, but because right. it's actually, you know, a hedge against their currency and they're doing a trade. Okay. Then they'll move that money back to another currency and so on and so forth. So why did you eventually move away from Forex trading into trading stocks? So I have a habit I've never been satisfied. Okay. So the thing is that when I actually learned Forex trading, I actually started to venture on what else type of trading there was. And I never knew anything about um, stocks. So stocks actually was the thing that actually came second to me. And that was mostly swing trading. I never knew something like day trading existed. Oh, okay. So swing trading came um, second for me. Okay. And the thing about swing trading for me was that it was very easy for me to learn, grasp the concept from a fundamental standpoint. Because in my family, my, my dad was an entrepreneur, and my mom was a businesswoman at the time as well. So fu fundamentally realized it was just business. Oh. So I could easily grasp the fundamental analysis right away. Did you learn those fundamental analysis on your own or from your parents? Parents. Oh, like they taught you while they were working? Yeah, you kind of learn, watch my dad, you know, does business, and you kind of sit up late at night, watch him do orders on inventory. Oh, and he'll give you like a stamp to stamp all the brochures late at night and then he'll come mm. and check if they're all properly aligned. I see. <laughs> and then in the day when your mom goes out to do sales, you'd go with her and watch her do sales. Oh. You understand supply and demand and basic business concepts. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you started stock trading with swing trading. With swing trading. Oh. Yeah. And how did how did you do on that? And I did pretty good because yeah. I, I essentially I started out just doing swing trading by picking companies I pretty much understood. Mm. understand the business fundamentals and I could see where they're going wrong and we'll see where they're going right and the ones that are doing well are just long those I never knew Schwarzland existed at that time either uh, <laughs> and this is back then you you were doing forex at age 19 so what age were you when you started swing trading stocks and I was literally just a, le a year later at age oh, 20 okay I, I literally started to like move through the things a lot faster yeah. than I actually wanted to oh what about day trading stocks day trading was an accident oh okay. actually for me I was just on YouTube trying to learn more about swing trading. And then I saw an ad with some guy, <laughs> you know, and tell us about the ad. The ad. <laughs> so the ad was like this guy, you know, had a Lamborghini with a girl in, in the back of it, you know, yeah. showing champagne, bragging about how much tens of thousands he's making per day, day trading. And I'm like, what is this day trading thing? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. it's funny. That's an age old uh, ad that everyone saw. Yeah. It got you and I and many other people into trading. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so you saw the ad. Yeah, I saw the ad and I clicked on it. And I was, honestly, I was intrigued. I was interested. Okay. I had to say, look, this probably sounds better than what I'm doing. <laughs> better than swing trading. Yeah, way better. Okay. You know? So I dove into that and started studying it. And for the life of me, it was complicated. Hmm. It was very complicated. It was fast moving. I yeah. never really understood anything. I was trying to apply the same concepts from swing trading to day trading. Hmm. And it just didn't work. Because I, cause I would analyze the company the same way I would. Yeah. But it wasn't the same. So when I would get into a day trade, I would get married to it thinking, oh, it's going to go up today. Yeah. But that's not really the reality for day trading. So I okay. end up actually becoming quite a bag holder of many things. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is that before, at that point, did you learn technical analysis yet? I had learned technical analysis at its, say, simplest form. Just like basic identifying support and resistances, but not really like how to identify like patterns and trends yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what, what's your day trading journey like? I know you struggled. Uh, did you blow up a couple of accounts or? 
many accounts. Oh, okay. <laughs> many accounts. Yes, they blew up a lot of accounts. And I'd say the thing for me that actually um, allowed me to eventually, like the process to learn day trading, was basically first understanding the rules about it. Okay. Right? So the basic rules about day trading, like don't bag hold the stock, yeah. how to scan for them, stuff like that. Um, how to basically understand markets, like understand like markets are basically people. Yeah. Right. So that was my core concept in first learning trading. And I would say learning day trading, I took a different route than most people would. So for most people, they went out for day trading. They would try and learn a course or strategy, whatever yeah. that is. I never took that route, actually. Oh. In fact, I took a more weirder route. Okay. I actually studied psychology, marketing, and philosophy, actually. Oh, you, how did you study that? So there was, uh, they're still around. There was like a lot of free courses um, online. Made, about I'm psychology. A, about psychology. Okay. I took those courses. I took courses on philosophy, and I also took courses on marketing and sales. Oh, okay. And those actually taught me a lot about how to actually analyze like news articles mm. and also taught me a lot about like natural human behavior. Interesting. Okay. So you kind of took that psychological aspect of traders and how market participants think, think and it. apply that to your own day trading. Oh, day trading. Exactly. Oh, okay. And it started to click and made sense. Yeah. Right. So um, on my own, it made sense. Yeah. Right. And I would say for the first year while learning, I would say the technical analysis part was very, very hard because you were basically like trying to basically figure out what's a breakout, what's a breakdown. Yeah. And you try a bunch of different indicators as yeah. well. I went through MACDs, RSI, Super Trends, VWAPs, you know, merge, um, uh, moving averages, yeah. EMAs, you know, just trying to like put them all together, see what they made sense. Uh -huh. Bollinger Bands, you know, went through all of them. Okay. And none of them worked. I see. And when you think you get a grasp and say, oh, when the MACD does this and the price does this, you would buy. Then you're like, oh, you get a little rhythm going and then something bad happens and you're back to square one. And I'm like, this mm. makes no sense. So technical analysis. <laughs> sorry. So so indicators. No, the more you put on your chart, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make any difference. So I know you struggled. How many years were you struggling with day trading? Uh, about two and a half years. Okay. And how did you eventually become profitable? Okay, weirdly, <laughs> um, I was, it was late at night, and every night before I go to bed, I'd run, run the day trading podcast, listen to other traders, mm. right? Now, this one particular podcast, it wasn't a trader that was actually on the actual podcast. Okay. He actually was a, a psychologist. Oh. And I don't know how I overheard what was going on because it was like laying on the couch, the, the coffee table is in front of me, the laptop is there flipped up, and he's talking. And he said, you know, it's funny how market works because, you know, when a lot of people buy at a particular level and they think the level will work and the stock will go up, right? And then they think they're a genius. But he says, you know, you're only a genius because you made yourself a genius in the first place. Because it's your ability to buy at this level that drove the price up in the first place. Okay. You're, you're just basically not necessarily a genius. It's the mm -hmm. buying activity that forced the price up. Yeah. But then a guy would actually short sell at a particular level. It goes down. He's like, see, I told you I was right. You know, I told mm -hmm. you it would actually go down. But it only went down because the, the sellers chose to act on this yeah. particular level. Yeah. And he says, you take every course out there particularly the top ones that are out there in the industry. And you break them down and realize that every single person is acting on this particular information. Yeah. Because they're trained to act and perform a certain way. Mm. It's almost like if you have a kid and he says, look, when you see a car pulls up, you don't know, don't know how it is. You don't jump in the car. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So traders, they take these courses and whatever it is they take, strategy, learn it, and then they go in the market and they act on these things. 
and that acting on that activity drives the price you know whether up or down so you're saying it's a self-fulfilling it's prophecy. a self-fulfilling prophecy right. exactly because technical analysis that sounds like it's what you're talking yeah. about it's so widely taught yeah. that it became like a self-fulfilling prophecy it's become self-fulfilling oh, prophecy interesting so with my part-time studies in psychology and philosophy yeah. i started studying not the strategies itself in terms of like what strategy i want to trade but study like how these people understand the strategy and how they apply it mm. right so study how they actually so for example if a stock gaps up and it holds a particular level there's a lot of gap up and gap and hold gap and go strategies out there so particularly if something gaps up and holds they buy so i could buy into the idea that they're going to see this and act on that information they've been trained to do and that will drive uh, the price up i remember that's one of the first videos i saw you making about trader psychology and how that relates to technical analysis, analysis yeah. support and resistance and i was just like wow this this makes so much sense like no one has ever explained to me the price levels in terms of human psychology before yeah yeah so do you remember how we met and how i found you um, I remember how we met, but yeah. if I slip, correct me. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so we met on a penny stock forum. Yeah. And I remember I was like posting all these free stuff and information because yeah, I, I just wanted to like help other people and enlighten them. You know, that's what was going on. Um, particularly, I would say I have a little bit of my mother's personality where we don't like to see suffering. Because oh. even if even if I see a guy on the street, you know, I feel like I if it breaks my heart. Like, hey, yeah. you know, so. Started helping people, and you actually messaged me for the first time. Yeah. And actually, it was a comment you made, actually, on one of my stuff. Okay. And then I replied to the comment. Yeah. Then you messaged me. Yeah. And I messaged you back. And then you we never spoke f after that. <laughs> yeah. So this forum, essentially, um, is the penny stock forum from that ad yeah. that you saw, that yeah. we both saw. That's how we got into trading. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, because uh, I was talking to a lot of other trader friends, and they all know of this forum and they if people were trading in like from the years 2015 2016 then they remember you yes yeah. i don't you probably didn't like give yourself enough credit but i'm talking about you this dude over here you are posting video after video day after day not just to recap your trades the successful ones but also the losing ones but you also post uh, posted a lot of general tutorials um trader psychology that's the one i saw and how you apply it and how you think about trading how do you how do you make it make sense so it's not just numbers right yeah so that really helped me out so much yeah, and that's the reason I reached out to you, just to say thank you. And I probably had like some other questions. Yes, you did have some questions. <laughs> <laughs> you did have some questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why did you do it? Because I remember it wasn't just posting videos. You got so much question and you got a huge following on that forum that eventually you were basically teaching people for free. So why were you doing that? So for one, I actually didn't like the idea that people were just being misled. Because most of the uh, sales tactics, I would say, in this industry revolves yeah. around just keeping you on a, on a wheel, yeah. right? And you pay and you pay and you pay and you hopefully you'll learn. Yeah. But they just never keep it. They keep in the hamster on the wheel, essentially. Yeah. So I wanted to like just cut through the noise and just say, look, this is what you're really doing. And mm -hmm. just help other people actually get there. I never had any intention of like starting a company or anything of that sort. I yeah. just like genuinely just wanted to help them. Yeah, I remember. And then eventually... It was a very sad day when you disappeared. Can you tell us why you eventually left the forum? Briefly? So essentially, um, from my understanding was that, which I never read the terms and agreement of the actual forum, 
And essentially, I, I, I breached it by just giving out all this information that was for free, oh, essentially. I right. See. So with that, you know, I, I got, I wasn't on there anymore. Yeah, you, right. you essentially got deleted. Yeah, on there. Yeah. yeah. But I think you had quite a couple hundred followers who found you also on Twitter after that. That's how I found you. I'm like, dude, where did this guy go? Yeah. That's how I went to find you on Twitter. Yeah. So I eventually found on Twitter, um, everyone found me on Twitter. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I actually had like a free Google webinar one time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one Adam found you on. Adam was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. He did all the talking, actually. He did a lot of talking and questions that day. Yeah. Oh, man. Good times. I'm just talking about this. This is 20... 16 2017 was something yeah. or even earlier this brings back uh adam was probably like memories. 16 or 18 years old at the oh time my God. <laughs> so young <laughs> and i was also a lot younger yeah yeah. And you, you, yeah i mean yeah i'm actually a year older than you yes yeah we are. which is surprising <laughs> but because you know so much more than me yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay going back to day trading i know you day you were day trading uh, your own money and you were helping people online so what was your, after you figure out about, you know, combining psychology to analyzing your trades and the setups, you know, what was your performance like in terms of trading? Funny story. We blew up. You blew up? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? I would say we actually, or the account just blew up, actually. Blew, so we blew the account. Like you lost it? Lost it all. Oh, which trade, which, uh, which, do you know which trade? It was a, it wasn't just one trade particularly. It was uh -huh. just a series of multiple trades. Oh, what happened because, there? Because I would say for the most part, you can learn the strategy if you want. Yeah. And you can master it and learn it. But the hardest part of trading that makes it so hard for most people, yeah. it's not learning the strategy. You see, like most people would say 99.99% of traders yeah. actually lose money. But they don't lose just random like that. Mm. The fun fact is that they all lose for two reasons and two reasons only. They just can't master themselves. Mm. Right? The strategy is as simple as learning the cooking recipe. Yeah. Right? Do this, do that. When this happens, do yeah. this, stuff like that. Right? But until you can master your own self, you'll never master trading. And that's what happened to us. Oh. We never knew who we were. Okay. So risk management wise, we had none. Oh, <laughs> Wait, who's we? So it, my best friend and I, we were actually learning this together, actually. Oh, so we were trading together. Yeah, we were learning it together uh, as one. Okay. So I would learn something, I'll share with him. He would learn something, share with me. Yeah. Yeah, so that actually kind of, and eventually we started competing against each other. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who knows more than the other? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that account blew up because we never really understood risk management at all. Mm. And we never understood ourselves. Okay. So what happened after that? We actually took a year to learn risk management, actually. So we started like going through Excel and running different scenarios from profit, losses, position sizing, upside targets, downsides. Mm. And we actually found a lot of discovery, actually, about how risk management actually does work in trading. Okay. Right? Which led to us creating something like a, like a risk management calculator. Where yeah, you could actually, I remember that calculator. Exactly. It was of yeah. all that continually number crunching that mm. led to us re realizing that, oh. such as... Stop loss placement, um, account size um, as well, share size, uh, yeah. management, stuff like that. Oh, and it okay. also led to just us learning more about ourselves as a person. Yeah. You know, such as, you know, if you know you're someone who actually struggles with losing, it might be helpful to have someone who is actually don't really care. <laughs> like, well, the, well, having someone who keep you accountable? Who keep you accountable. I see, I see. Yeah. So I would say I was more of the aggressive one. He was more on the uh, safety side of things. Oh. So I would plan the trade. He, yeah. does, he would do the execution. So you complement each other. <laughs> we complemented each other. Oh, 
Oh, I yeah. see. Was there a particular strategy um, after you recouped your losses from the first blow up? Is there a particular strategy that spoke to you guys that you guys were using consistently to day trade? Yeah, the breakout strategy we we're using consistently. Yeah. So we did the breakout strategy pretty much on every penny stock we get our hands on. Yeah. Short selling for us was good back in the day as well. So it was probably account for just a small portion of the trades we did. I see. So those were the stocks that run up, you know, huge, like 100, 200%. Then the next day, once they've actually gapped down, you mm -hmm. know, and bounce once more again, like a weak bounce, you short into those and they'll just fade all day. Oh, okay. Yeah. But but you were predominantly they long bias. Long right? bias. Yeah, I remember yeah. most of your recap videos back then were, were long breakouts. Bias. Yeah. Interestingly enough, that strategy still works today. It does. Yeah, still you have to be today. more selective, but still works. Still works. Yeah, and you still trade that strategy. Still use the same one. Yeah. So I find it very impressive. Like basically, that's all you trade now. Yeah. yeah. So I've kind of like just cut out all the other excess uh, mm -hmm. strategies as well, and just focus on one thing and one thing only, and only yeah. when that particular opportunity comes around, I hit it. And if it doesn't, I just don't do anything. Yeah, good for you. Very selective. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, you're helping people for free. Yeah. You're trading a breakout loan strategy um, with your partner. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, I remember I you know, followed you. We chatted. Eventually, you started like a paid membership program. Right, right. Yeah, what got you to start with doing that? So we had one too many emails. I see. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, I, I know for a fact that, you know, as, you know, um, a lot of trading, you know, coaches out there, they get hit on for charging for services because yeah. they're like, hey, why would you charge when you already make so much money from trading? Mm -hmm. You see, the hindsight is this. If I have to spend all my time replying to your emails and helping you, yeah. it's taken away from opportunity that yeah. I should be doing. Yeah. So it's a cost of opportunity that you're paying for. Yeah. Essentially. So that's why we started to charge for it. Mm. So... We couldn't, we got so many emails. We were on emails all day from pre-market yeah. to market open to midday. You get more DMs in the afternoon. So you yeah. literally had no time to do any form of trading. Yeah. So the cost of our opportunity was huge. Yeah. Like, look, we have to charge for this stuff. Yeah. It just can't be free anymore. I remember because I would send you like 10 emails a day. Well, like 10 DMs a day. So I did we dig a lot of DMs yeah, from you. Yeah. <laughs> and also another thing that I think you didn't mention is that I think I'm sure me and Adam and a couple others were one of the few people, even though you didn't charge us, we still took it very seriously. Like yes. we still do the homework you assigned to us. But when you give people stuff for free, when you help them for free, most people, not all, they don't appreciate your effort. No skin in the game, man. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you started charging people for it, I was like, sign me up. Like, I'm, I'm glad you are charging because that means you, you're going to weed out a lot of people who, you know, are not willing to pay and right. that's fine. But that means you have more time for the people who are willing, willing to, to invest in themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll take it all very seriously. Seriously, yeah. Yeah. So you eventually did start like a Discord and we all paid for it. And yeah. I still continue learning with you a lot. So I okay. appreciate that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> now, so that was all good. And we traded together every day. You provided like a watches. And then eventually you shut it down. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> so this actually was in, um, there was probably like two Discord rooms, I remember correct. We had one first that had a lot of members mm -hmm. and one that had very, very few members. So in the first one, we were starting to weed out like the people between paid and free. Yeah. And to be honest with you, just like you said, it weeded out a lot of people got weeded out. Yeah. Right. So you eventually had to create a separate Discord to separate the free guys from the actual, um, from the actual paid guys. Yeah. 
when we separate them out, we actually started to basically reduce the level of services we would offer to the free ones. Yeah. And started to basically offer more of those services towards the paid ones. Yeah. Right. Of course, that didn't really go so well, well with our customers. So eventually, we just started to focus more on the, uh, the, the paid ones, and yeah. we kind of just neglected them. Yeah. Right? Which never went over so well with them. And it's probably, probably a regret of mine. We, could, we probably could have done better with them, honestly. Yeah. Right? Now, we did that for a long period of time, and then we had partners that got involved. Yeah. But eventually, we never really could agree on direction of the company. I right? see. For yeah. one, I was more of the trader, and I understood the industry very, very well. Yeah. They had a different background than I did. So their, the, the, the road that they would want to take, essentially, led to us not really agreeing too much. So eventually, I left the company, and then they couldn't manage it, so they just shut it down. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay, so where did you go after that? After you left this trading education sector, where'd you go? So after this particular uh, moment, after I left, yeah. I pretty much like just stayed low-key, mm, actually. Okay. I started like reading more on, you know, merge and acquisitions okay. and stuff like that. So I started to study a lot more on that particular topic because during trading, one of the things I did enjoy seeing was when a company got acquired and the stock would just jump like, you know, Thousands of percent. Yeah. So I want to be a part of that game. I see. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that in, in, intrigued me. And this is back in Jamaica, right? No, this when is you started the, the fund? So we started a uh, friends and family. Um, actually, never. The intention was not to let it be a fund when we started. Oh. In fact, it was just a pool of capital to begin with. Okay. So it was just like, I remember when I started my trading journey and I needed money to get funded, I had two options. Yeah. So my mom was like, listen, there's a job at a hardware store. You can take it <laughs> <laughs> if you want it. Yeah. Right. I think you should have something. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, no, I think I'm really good at this stuff. Actually, and I think I'm going to pursue this. But she said, is there anything else? And I said, oh, I'm thinking of opening up a, you know, a bread and breakfast, you know, in town as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we're having lack of funding to get the place and everything. And she's like, oh, OK, well, guess what? I owe you some money. I'm going to pay you back. And if you lose it all. Well, that's it. You're on your own. Yeah. Okay. So it was literally five hundred dollars. Oh, you started with five hundred. Five hundred for the fund. No, just like just for me to trade with. I see. But here's how that that actually came into play. So we started with five hundred dollars, and then once we actually, I turned the five hundred dollars into maybe sixteen hundred, I think. Okay. Yeah, sixteen, seventeen, somewhere thereabout, and my friend was impressed by it. He's like, "Wow." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a small amount, and you look at it, you're like, you're like, oh, my God, seriously? Yeah. So he put some money in, and then his father was actually watching him. Like, you know, we were trading, we were talking, and he wanted to be like, what are these guys doing? Oh, you know? Okay. <laughs> then he put some money in, and then we needed more money, and then his aunt, I would say, put in more money again. Right. So essentially, it was just a pool for just friends and family to just take part in it, oh. essentially. But eventually, what we noticed was that we had to basically, like, we were managing that much money. Yeah. So we had to basically like deploy like a lot of different strategies, essentially. Yeah. Some of it actually went to Forex. Yeah. Some of it went, went to stocks. Oh. Right? Some so of it was in swing trading. Some of it was in day trading. Okay. Yeah. And how big was the asset under management at that point? I would say in terms of like, you know, conversion, probably just over a million, honestly. Oh, okay. And then when you apply leverage and you're managing like four or five times that. Yeah. 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 And this is still trading. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. And why did you stop doing that? So I know everyone idolized the JP Morgans and the Goldman's yeah, yeah, yeah. of the world, essentially. 
But and everyone's like in universes right now getting their MBA. Like, oh, I want to be a hedge fund manager. Especially after watching Billions. Billions, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We, both, we both watched that Billions. show. Yeah, and we're like, oh, like, I want to be a hedge fund manager. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> okay, great. Let me give you some advice. Don't. Don't. Really, it so, looks so flashy. The lifestyle, <laughs> the Wall Street. You know. When you because when you imagine people's money. Yeah. And especially if you're managing friends and family money. Yeah. And even if you're just managing clients' money, yeah. the people you hang out with are essentially your same clients. Mm. And you can't have normal conversations anymore. Yeah. Like, hey, man, what did you do last night kind of situation? It's more like, hey, how's, how's my money doing? Uh, so you're going out. You're leaving work. Yeah. Going out with people you think you'd have a good time with. Yeah. But you're going out talking about work again. I see. So you're always at work, right? So eventually, I'm like, you know what? Forget it. <laughs> uh, so we close it down, get one day money back. To be honest with you, I'd have no regrets. It was a peace of mind. <laughs> it makes sense because while having more capital to trade with, um, up to a mil at that point was appealing. You you started trading to work for yourself, right? To have no boss. Exactly. But once you start a fund, your clients are your bosses. Are your bosses exactly? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I can see why you know for most traders. Some may start a fund, but most, I think, start it and decide to shut it down. Yeah, yeah. most funds today, even now, that are being started, they have um, a uh, renewal date, like within five and ten years. So okay. usually most funds last, last now in today's time between three and five years. Mm. And what happens is that traders use that as a tool to get ahead. Yeah. Then after five years, it's closed down. They have this bulk of money they can now trade for themselves. They give all the investors their money back. Oh, it's like they use okay. it as a, a, a let's say like a skyrocket you yeah. know themselves forward and then they just depart oh and how did your fund do during the couple of years that you had it um i would say we did <laughs> i'm not gonna say we were rock stars okay because we did have ups and downs yeah of course, um as well yeah. we had times when we literally held positions that we were crying about <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah Right. But I would say we did pray very, very decent. I said we probably did like anywhere from three, three to four times what the S&P would give you. Oh, a year. okay. That's yeah. actually really good. Which is way more than you probably get anywhere. Yeah. If, even though today's time, there's rock stars out there who can do that now. Oh, and how old were you when you were managing the fund? I think I was probably like 22 years old, 23. Oh, my God. Yeah. So young. What was I doing when I was 22? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So eventually you shut down the fund. Um, and what did you do after that? When, when did you move to the United States? So I was like 25 years old. Okay. Yeah. Why did you move here? So moving was actually not, there wasn't an intention to move actually. Okay. The intention was supposed to be a business trip. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So we took a business trip saying we want to expand the education company. And then while we were in uh, Florida, we still had the same riffle and back and forth all the time. Mm. And I was telling my mom about it, how I'm stressed out all the time, you know, I'm not really feeling great. And she, with open arms, she was like, you can just come. Mm. So we left Florida, went to New Jersey with her. Okay. Yeah. And that was pretty much the end of that. So while I was there, she was like, okay, so what are you going to do now? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do now? Yeah, at the time, I was tinkering with a lot of ideas, actually. I was tinkering to either like buy companies or do real estate. Yeah, eventually I landed into just buying, started to like buy companies actually. But oh. first I wanted to educate myself on all the stuff I should have learned during the, the negotiation of a partnership. Okay. So for a year I took a lot of courses on law actually. Like, con oh, yeah. Law? Law, like con corporate law. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you don't know? 
<laughs> I'm sure they are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure they are. We know now it's singing. You can't sing. No, I can't sing. <laughs> and what were you trying to do with the law education that you were learning? So when we formed a partnership with education company, actually, um, there was a lot of legal jargons that I pretty much didn't understand. Yeah. But so they were they were able to like sold us on a huge big dream that I believed in essentially. Okay. And I'm like I just like signed the contract essentially. Just like that. <laughs> just like that. Okay. Signed it. They said they gave it to me one night. Yeah. I signed it the same night. Okay. <laughs> right. Thinking I I understood what it meant. Okay. But essentially what happened was that our main company got restructured actually. The entire cap table, which I know now, got restructured into us becoming like a minority shareholder. Okay. So between my friend and I, we own 33%. So if you divide it by two, we're about 17 and a half, something like that. So basically, we had no voting power. Mm. So yeah. when we want decisions to be made that would actually help the company, we would actually always get outvoted by a majority. Yeah. So I never understood corporate law and legal contract. So I wanted to like fill in the gap to what I missed. So I studied corporate law for a year. Is that when you became a VC? No, at the time, actually, I was doing more, uh, more M&A stuff. So like calling okay. business brokers, trying to get them to like you so you can buy the company. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, talking to investors, trying to get them to like you so they'll help you with the financing. Yeah. Needless to say, it, it, it never went, went well. So we end mm. up having to basically stick to the, I would say, more of uh, the old, old Wild West. Okay. I'm, I'm going to like that Shopify website that had like businesses listed for sale and talking oh, to the owners. Yeah. Okay. So we did eventually buy one company actually. Yeah. Um, for like six grand or something like that. Okay. Um, called uh, Solid Charmer. It's not a run anymore. We blew up. We blew it up. Oh my god! <laughs> At least it's only six thousand dollars. It was six. Yeah. So we thought we were gonna come in and turn turn this thing around. First thing we we happened was when we got in was that the marketing team left. I see. Second thing that happened, the supplier went bankrupt because it was, oh. during, it was during COVID. Oh, this is an e-com company. E-com company. Okay. And then after that, what happened was eventually we tried to convert the company into a subscription box, essentially. Okay. And then we ran out of money. Oh, I see. <laughs> so it eventually just went bankrupt. So after blowing up that company, good thing it was only $6,000. Yes, yeah. a lot of money. Did you try again? Like, how, how did it go after that? So we were looking for another company to buy in the financial space. Yeah. And we came across this guy that was selling his entire portfolio for like $400 million, actually. Oh, okay. Now, obviously, <laughs> I can't buy it. Yeah. But interestingly enough is that he had like a course for like 10 grand where you become his uh, mentee. Oh. And he basically would mentor you on exactly how to do turnaround situations. Okay. Right? So we did a lot of turnarounds with him, like for digital marketing companies, for healthcare companies. Um, we never touched tech because he hated tech. I see. <laughs> right? But it's mostly in the healthcare space and digital marketing space, essentially. Mm. So with him, we actually would just call brokers, you know, business brokers. We would talk to them and tell them to buy the company. Being that he had something that we didn't have, which is essentially credibility. Yeah. Right? Because he was doing this. He's like 84 years old. So he's been doing it for many, many years. What's his name? So this guy name was like John Parker, actually. Okay. Yeah. So we did, we worked with him for, I would say probably like a year and a half, could be less. Okay. Not really sure. It was, we were just going. And most of these deals take like three to six months to close sometimes, you know, but we had like multiple of them going. Yeah. But he was like a very aggressive guy in the sense that, you know, when you would literally like have one deal going, we're like, oh, we're going to work on this one. He's like, no, we got to get, get, get at least 10 more going. 
And I'm like, why? He's like, it's a numbers game. You got to get 10 going, maybe one will close. You know, oh. if you get 50 going, maybe like three of them might close. I see. Yeah, so it's a numbers game. So once those deals close, essentially, they'll put like operators in the company, especially like a CEO. Yeah. And they'll actually run the company and execute the business plan that we design. Uh, so you take over these companies and you try to turn it around to become more profitable? More profitable and sell them for more than they were once worth. So essentially, he's your mentor. Then. He was my mentor. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So how did you get eventually how to get into VC after that? So after VC, um, I, was, I got contacted by a good friend of mine. We're still friends today, uh, Jack Cooney. Mm. And um, he was sent me a message on LinkedIn saying that, you know, you know, we have synergies and we should talk. You know that if you, anyone ever reached out to you on LinkedIn, it's always like the same message. Like, yeah. hey, I came across your profile. Like, it looks like you're a lot in common, your synergies. When are you free? Yeah, it's always that generic <laughs> that message. That generic yeah, message. Yeah. But I don't mind it. You know, yeah, if yeah. your profile looks good, I'll answer. Okay. Right. So I replied to him and we got on this Zoom call maybe like a week later. And I thought I was going to speak to Jack. Oh. It was an intervention. It almost like it was an intervention. So when I hopped on the Zoom call, I had like a, a little spill. I said, is this an intervention? <laughs> oh. Because there was like six other guys on the call. Oh, okay. That yeah. surprised you. Exactly. So that's how I, after we were done, we spoke to one guy. His name is James. We spoke to a couple other guys, which, which was his friends. And then after we got off the call, James was like, hey, I, I want to keep talking to you. I think you're brilliant. I think we could do something together. So when I started talking to um, James after, we kind of like liked each other. We had a lot in common, right? He was a very successful tech entrepreneur, right? And he was basically a venture capitalist, essentially, oh, okay. right? So his firm was more, at the time, more in uh, what we call uh, merchant banking. Okay. Right? It's essentially, they use their own. They, I mean, I don't know why finance uses fancy terms, but essentially yeah. the firm uses their own money to invest. That's, that's, it's, it's called a, merchant banking? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So with him, we actually, that's why I got into VC. So he was looking for tech companies to invest into, oh, right? Okay. I had a lot of connections with um, accelerators. Yeah. And accelerators are basically people that entrepreneurs go to, to say, hey, I've had this idea. Can you find yeah. us an investor? Like Y Combinator, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's how I got into the VC space, honestly, by working with him, finding him deals to look at for making investments or finding deals for his investors to make investments. Oh, so I got okay. into that side of the business, yeah. Man. And you, you went really far from trading, Forex, to day trading stocks, to you know, education, then to you know, family fund, then to VC, and like all the stuff in between as well. Yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of nitty gritties in between. Yeah. You know, like um, you know, trying to go online to these different websites that yeah. had like... <laughs> Private deals you can invest in. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I would say for the most part, we never invested in any of them. But I would say one particular sad story would be I would regret not investing in Atom Finance, actually. Oh, Atom Finance. Okay, we, we actually use a website. We yeah, use a website, yeah. exactly. So Atom Finance did their Series A many, um, many, many years ago on uh, WeFunder, actually. Okay. And they were like worth probably like a million or two million dollars they were worth. And what threw me off was that they said they were going to become the Bloomberg terminal for retail. And I just laughed at it. Oh, no. <laughs> How many years ago was that? Um, maybe maybe four years, four years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not yeah, that they, long. They, they are a lot bigger now. Back they're, then, they're, they're worth yeah. billions now. Yeah, yeah. And the minimum investment was $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the worst trade you've ever done. The worst trade yeah, I've ever done. Seriously. Sit and watch the stock go up and do nothing. Uh, <laughs> I think 
the the story the the lessons from your story today is that you tried so many different things and you obviously failed a lot. Yes. But you never gave up, whether it's trading or starting a business or getting into VC or buying companies. You never gave up. No, no, yeah. never. Yeah, you. But then you also lost a lot of money. Well, made a lot, a lot of money after that, but you lost a lot of money. You first. lost a lot of money in, th- in yeah. time as well. Yeah. Nowadays, do you still trade? If something fits my particular strategy, yeah. yes. Yeah. So m- my trading are pretty much like not as frequent as most traders are. Mm-hmm. Like I would say if I look at the average per month, it's probably one or three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Except for that one week where the same stock keep on breaking out. That's so like, I was very active for that yeah, entire week. Yeah, <laughs> you were trading every day Every that day, that's that one stock. Yeah, that, that, that um, VFS. VFS, yeah, yes. Yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah, so do you still day trade more or swing trade or like both? I would say it's a mix. Mm. And I tend yeah. to just instead. I mean, most traders, you know, um, trade more frequently than they should. Yeah. And I try to encourage traders to not think of trading as something to do. But it's hard to break out of that corporate mindset. Yeah. Where you have to get up a certain time, you go to work, you have something to do. So as traders, they bring the same. Oh, this is my thing now. I got to get up and I do this. But that's not really how to look at it. How to look at it is that you have a specific criteria of yeah. things you're looking for on a particular trade. And your job every day is to get up and look for a stock that fits those particular criteria. And yeah. only when that happens, you make a trade. Yeah. So if you work in hours or pretty much, let's say, between, like, say, 9 and 11 in the morning, and all you're doing is scanning for that. Yeah. And if nothing shows up, then you take the day off. Yeah. I remember because we trade together. I remember there are days where I'm like, where's Oren? Like, he's, he's not here. It's because nothing's, nothing, fits. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing fits. Nothing fits. Yeah. yeah. Could you share with our audience what's your biggest winner ever from a trade and the biggest loser? I would say the biggest loser um, was probably many, many years ago, actually, from a, a Chinese IPO company, actually. I think they were like a phone company they were. Okay. And they <laughs> they went, they, I read about them so much where I fell in love with the company. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. And the, when it actually went public, literally, once it, once it went public the first day, I bought in like, you know, like when an IPO comes up and that first green candle pops up? Yeah. I bought right in on that candle. Oh, my God. Okay. And the candle wasn't even finished formed yet. When it was done, it turned into a huge red candle. Oh, it sold off the minute. <laughs> a minute it opened. Exactly. Was it supposed to be a day trade or a swing trade? This was actually supposed to be a day trade. Oh. It turned like a $40,000 or something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So that's the biggest loss ever. I, I, that's the biggest loss recorded. Uh, what about uh biggest win ever um i would say the biggest win will probably be about probably like six figures okay. like over 200 but that was from like like some kind of multiple of different trades honestly yeah. yeah and that would have to be vfs yeah i would say i tend to <laughs> be bad at taking my advice uh, recording the actual trades oh okay. <laughs> yeah, so like i'm sure there's like a big winner somewhere in between that and then yeah but I don't record anything really. <laughs> it's interesting because as traders, we tend to remember the losers a lot more clearly, at least in detail, than the winners. Yes, yeah. I would say the losers actually stick around longer. Yeah. In my mind, yeah. Than than winners. Yeah, you probably have like PTSD now from that IPO. Um, I do. That's why I'm so cautious with them now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. PTSD, exactly. I don't yeah. like trading IPOs either. I kind of wait till the second day. Second day, second day, yeah. yeah. I, I learned, kind of learned some general rules about them for doing it on the first day. Oh. You know, ever since that one, like, you got to wait for it to, like, give it a couple minutes, like, establish all its levels first before yeah. you actually make any moves, yeah. Okay. So, what are you, 
to present day, like what are you involved in now? What are you working on? What are you trading? Uh, what, just what keeps you busy nowadays? Um, I'd say for the most part, what keeps me busy now is just like, you know, working in, in M&A. Okay. Right? So that helping companies um, find financing through my previous connections, uh, yeah. helping companies find, um, you know, deals through connections that I know. And that's pretty much what keeps me busy. But it's not it's not like overwhelming mm-hmm. unless you have like a bunch of people calling you. Yeah. But the beauty is that, you know, I'm looking we're I'm looking for something specific. Yeah. So if it doesn't really align, then <laughs> we're not having a phone call. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What about trading now? Where are you trading now? In the so what trading, are you trading pretty much um just focusing on form of higher day and just focusing on the earning strategy mm-hmm. and just constantly scanning and researching for things to come up. Mm-hmm. And just actually executing those when the time time comes around, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty much, I would say, pretty much chill now. Mm. Before, back in the day, I was always busy because even back then, I would trade a lot. I would trade all the markets, too, actually, back yeah. in the day. I would trade bonds, stocks, futures, options, everything. We trade Asian market, Australian, London, U.S., all together. It was mm. very, very busy. Yeah. But now, I've actually, like, just have some more structure in my life. And yeah. just knowing that what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, and just stick with that. Do you still enjoy helping traders succeed? Absolutely. Especially the, the, a lot of beginners who are like struggling. Yeah, yeah, I do enjoy helping beginners, especially like seeing them go from like, you know, um, start to finish. Yeah. Right. That brings me, I would say from everything I do, that probably brings me the most joy, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Simply because, you know, there's no greater impact you can leave on this world yeah. than the impact you leave on somebody else. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I like Denzel Washington says, I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse before, mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. but the people like and when you go, I'm not really sure, but you probably know this. I'm a pretty weird guy sometimes. Yeah. And I, I do find peace in actually going to cemeteries, actually. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wasn't expecting and, that. Yeah. Cemeteries. So I do like going to cemeteries. OK. Because the thing is that when you go to cemeteries, you really find what life really means, actually. You don't see on someone's tombstone that he owned a car. You know, he made uh, this much money. I see. You don't see that. You see loving wife, best daughter, loving husband. You see uh-huh. on the grave. So the greatest impact you can leave on the world is the impact you leave on everybody else because that's what they'll remember. Oh, wow. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. As far as cemeteries. But I, c- I can see why you find peace there, yeah. specifically from... Re- reading uh, what's written on tombstones. Yeah, people you, who, we, who are passed away. Exactly. You've, the, yeah. the, the death gives gives meaning to life. <laughs> I, <say>. mm. <laughs> I guess that's why you enjoy helping traders. Yes. Nowadays, like yes. you, you do create an impact. I know. Um, nowadays in our community, people really enjoy uh, learning from you. Sometimes even more than learning from me. I get jealous <laughs> of you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? These people like Oren more than me. <laughs> But, but I'm okay with that because you and I, nowadays, we have very different strategies. You just focus on the one breakout strategy for day trades, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I have a couple different ones, and I try to be able to trade every day. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what trading is all about. We have our own strategies, um, and we focus only on just that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So, funnily enough, you and I met in a penny stock trading community yeah you later started your own community that i joined yeah and now you are in my community yes. the humble <laughs> trader community what do you think is the reason like these communities you know trading a group making friends like what what, what do you think it's uh, is it about these trading communities that keep drawing you in i would say the one thing that actually keeps drawing me in the community is 
is just that you get to meet people from like all walks of life. Yeah. That's first and foremost. Yeah. And when you sit and you talk to these people and hear their stories, you know, you just feel some of some of them have very, very sad stories. Yeah. Honestly. And it kind of breaks your heart. Yeah. And this is what they're trying to do to get there. Yeah. And you can also relate to them as well. Right. So you feel very connected to these people. Yeah. I also just generally also like generally just love helping people. Yeah. And I would say it's a guilty habit <laughs> because mm-hmm. in my life I've always tend to place people way ahead of me more than I do my, for myself. In every single person I've met, there's an aspect of their story that I can relate to. Mm, yeah. I see. So, what do you enjoy daily trading in a trading community? Like, what? How does it benefit you, and how are you able to pass it down the the benefits and the teachings? Funny enough, you know, mentoring people actually actually not really sure if people realize, but mentoring people actually makes you a better trader. Mm. Because for one, you you are held accountable. Yeah. For Everybody's sure. watching you. Yeah. And being that the, the questions keep coming up more and more frequently, the same questions, you find ways to refine, you know, your answers more and more and refine your process and your strategy way more, yeah. more and more. Before you know it, you automatically just skyrocket to being quite the expert, mm. right? Yeah. So it makes you a better, um, a better trader yeah. when you mentor people. Um, I do relate to that as well, both from teaching on YouTube as well, teaching in the community. Mm-hmm. And when I say, you know, don't overtrade, you know, be selective about your trading setups. I, at first, I was still sloppy, but eventually I do realize, okay, like if I preach that, I have to follow this. Oh, the rules, right? exactly. Especially yeah. when a lot of times I do recap my trades and yeah. that's when people will see, okay, I only traded two trades today mm-hmm. and these are the sh- executions is very clean and yeah. that's it so i do have to follow my own rules and it, it, it you're right it does keep um us accountable, accountable as well yeah also like when you get asked the same questions over and over again yeah. or you get asked a question of something that you've never thought about yeah you're forced to learn yeah when sure. you're a trader and you're doing your own thing and no one to answer to you can yeah. get pretty complacent and ignorant yeah for sure <laughs> but when you have people like asking you hey what do you think about this hey why do we do this you're like yeah i actually never thought about that let me think about it yeah. <laughs> and then you formulate an answer an answer then that also kind of reinforce the thesis and the strategy strategy you for have. yourself yeah so yeah it's um it's 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 i would say trading a community a positive one is much better than trading on your own. It yeah. is. You know, it's kind of like the old saying, you know, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. 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 I think that's also a reason, like, when you disappeared from the original forum, I followed you because I knew <laughs> that I enjoy trading with you. I enjoy talking to you and yeah. learning, learning from you. And you, even though you were technically my mentor, you never treated me. Like, you always just treated me like a friend. Like a friend, And yeah. nothing, it's not like you were, like, on a high pedestal and had to, like, look up to you. You always just treated me, like, face-to-face. Face-to-face, like face, yeah. So, um, and uh, I just want to say it means a lot to me that I found you online years ago. You mentored me. And so many years later, now I'm able to have you in the community and helping other traders okay, and learn well. from you. Yeah. It's like a full circle. Full circle, right. Yeah. <laughs> Any final messages you want to tell our viewers watching this? Um, yeah, probably the most powerful thing. So if you guys are really struggling, you know, out there with like trading and you're really having a hard time trying to basically figure it out, I would say trading at its core, like we've told members, especially when I do like coaching one on one, is that trading is basically betting on history. That's all you're mm. doing. So all these strategies, strategies that you're learning yeah. have a, a historical behavior. Yeah. And all you're trying to do is understand that what are the criteria that are in place? 
yeah. before, what did they look like before that move happens, and then what the outcome is, mm. right? So if you just look at it that way, that all you're doing is betting on history repeating itself, trading yeah. becomes far more simpler. It's kind of like, you know, before the rain falls, the, the dark clouds, then yeah. you hear the thunder, and then <laughs> the lightning, and then the rain falls. Yeah. So a strategy is like you're doing a breakout strategy. Okay, what criteria are in place before something breaks out? It has yeah. no good news. It's over VWAP. It's mm-hmm. holding higher day. Mm-hmm. Okay, what does the pre, you know, setup looks like? It's usually yeah. like broken out and moving sideways above the level. Then yeah. what happens after? Well, if all goes well, it moves higher. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you're doing. Based and on I history. do want to add that you're the person who taught me to think like that. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, in all my YouTube strategy videos, I always preface with the criteria. Right. That's a way I think about strategies. Like, like you said, A, B, C, D should check out. Yeah. Then you should get the result. Result. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of, you, you really help the way I think about trading and forming strategies. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> if you look at my YouTube videos, criteria, and this is the strategy. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. Thank you so much, Orentu, for being on the Humble Traders podcast. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm so happy, happy that we finally made this happen. Yes. Yeah. Me too. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. My team and I really putting a lot of work and travel behind the scenes to make these interviews possible. We really appreciate your support. 